can he be successful enough to kind of rip that job from uh, from Latroy Hawkins' cold, dead hands? I really liked that acquisition. I think that he's going to shock some folks. Very interested in Shane Green. There must be like somebody's boss that watches these games through Twitter because, damn it, these tweets are out of control this spring. Given the that Tim Federovich or whatever is his backup. By the way, I got to give you credit on Federovich. I know you. I've heard you talk. I do listen to the <laughs> podcast. I've heard you talk about having player pronunciation issues. Welcome to episode 207 of the Sleeper in the Bust. It's your Sunday evening edition. I am Paul Spore, joined as always on Sundays by Mr. Jason Collette. Jason, how are you after a, a Tout Wars filled weekend? Tired. Uh, it's good that I'm. Uh, I only have to fly back to Charlotte these days. Back in the back when I was living in Florida, I'd have to fly all the way uh, down to Orlando, get in super late, and we'd uh, have to be recording this the next day. But now that I'm in Charlotte, I was home by eight o'clock. Oh works. wow, that's nice. That makes it much easier. That's always the tough part about the you know things like that is the the travel back. You're like, man, I wish I could just teleport home. It would be so much easier. Uh, one of these days, well, yeah, one of these days, we'll just be teleporting back and forth to Tout Wars. Uh, we got we got plenty of Tout Wars to talk about. Obviously, you participated in the AL draft. I think the AL this year, as far as single leagues goes, uh, is the more fascinating side, just because of some of the dynamics with that market. So we'll definitely dive deep into that, and then maybe get some uh, thoughts that you had observing the NL. Because I believe was it the NL that you were running the chat for. Both. I did mixed and and Okay, great. So then you can even comment on the mix. Perfect. Which, uh, that was the only one. I I got to follow most of the AL and then a lot of the mix. I didn't, I missed a lot of the NL in terms of seeing it live. So uh, we'll talk a little bit of news and then we'll dive into tout. First off, big news for us, our boy, Brett Cecil, the official closer for Toronto, finally. We knew it was coming. Everyone else just needed to get that confirmation to get on board because, I mean, like I said, we, we had this one in the bag. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and brag here and say we, we had this one. Yeah, we don't mean to brag. We don't mean to boast, but we have them in labor. I have them in tout. I'm extremely happy that Brett Cecil got that closing job. Had that news come out on Saturday, I do not think I score Brett Cecil at the price. No, of no, 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 no. Uh, you know, and I, I obviously this is I, it's helped. By the uh, Marcus Stroman injury, but but frankly, again, as as far as I was concerned, I, I don't know how much it was helped though, because I always thought Cecil was the guy who should be there closing, and that Sanchez should mm-hmm. be a starter because once you go down the road of kind of you know making him the closer, it seems like teams are okay pulling them out of out of relief, just middle relief, but once they get in the closer, if they if they're successful, it's really tough to pull them out. Neftali Feliz. Uh, Joba Chamberlain back in the day was kind of going back and forth, had the Joba rules and all yep. that noise. And then, of course, Aroldis Chapman is somebody that for, for what, his first three years, we had to hear every offseason how he's going to go be a starter now. And no, it's just going to end up he's just going to be a super stud, deep, uh, you know, legit closer and that's the way it should be so mm-hmm. i'm completely fine with that and so get brett cecil up on your draft boys now that clears up one situation and that's one of the big dynamics in the al leagues that is so fascinating is the uh, uh the bullpens is because so many are unsettled 
how's that going to mess with the guys at the top and then how are the the candidates for each each role going to be uh, shaking out so now this is another guy Brett Cecil who's a firm guy he's going to go higher also in Toronto news it's looking like you know just kind of reading the tea leaves here we'll see if we get any more news about this as you know Monday Tuesday go along but as, as far as right now based on what I'm watching uh, a guy I'd seen a little bit in Fall League last year, Devon Travis, from the from my beloved Detroit Tigers, now with the Toronto Blue Jays, he's angling toward that second base job. Like I said, we'll see if we get any clarity because it was, I haven't heard any word. I haven't seen any reports just yet. But he's angling toward that. Again, we'll check Monday to see what's what, uh, see if they come out with anything this week. But if you're drafting a second baseman in the, N- or in the AL, he's somebody to consider. Uh, or, or do you agree? Yeah, uh, Mike Pothorzer took him late in the game uh, in, in the AL. I have Meiser's Turris on the reserves only because I, I needed somebody to replace Francisco Lindor, who I bought late in the game. Uh, I just didn't get a chance at the time. I looked at it, and he had already taken Travis. I don't even think I could have uh, done anything with it. And uh, so I went with Lindor. I went with the longer upside, and uh, we'll see where and, it goes with it. But Travis, was he definitely came up in Tout Wars. And his Turris will play, so that's the thing. A guy like that. If you do need to spot him in for a little bit, uh, he's gonna he's gonna find his way around. Travis is going to be a, a rookie, a 24 year old college rookie though, who is skipping AAA. So the fact that he's 24 makes the skipping of AAA not as severe, I would say. But at the same time, this was a guy who it seemed that some prospect outlets liked a lot more than others. When he was rated by the Tigers, uh, or rated as a Tiger up near the top of their system, a lot of it was because of the, the, the dearth of prospects in the Tiger system as opposed to him being you know, an elite prospect. That doesn't mean he's bad, but I, I, a lot of people don't believe in the hitting. When I saw him in Fall League, he was raking, but it's Fall League. You know, I saw Dustin Ackley be a world beater down there. Uh, he looks like a guy with a modicum of power, and then speed is going to be his asset. We just got to see if somebody like Travis can make enough contact. And if he can, uh, playing on that Jays team, that could be pretty sweet. Yes, indeed. All right, uh, let's see what else we've got here. Oh, another piece of news that's uh, coming down the, the pike lately is that uh, Hyunjin Ru, with his shoulder injury, is likely to start the season on the disabled list, and that's going to open up some things in Los Angeles, and it's looking like uh, kind of a forgotten name, Joe Wheeland, who they acquired from the from the Padres, I believe in the Matt Kemp deal, to be honest. Uh, it's He's looking yes. like somebody who could benefit from this because now he could slide in as the fifth starter in the interim there. So then they're going Kershaw, Granke, McCarthy, Brett Anderson, and then Joe Whelan. This was a guy who had some intrigue. I mean, he was a prospect with Texas. The one thing about him was he was a heavy fly ball guy, so you want to be, be careful. He gets the heck out of Texas, gets to San Diego, perfect fit. Going to L.A. is not uh, bad at all. You know, it, it, it's it's a better park than I think some people think, particularly for home runs. But it's not going to beat him up. It's certainly not going to exploit his fly ball tendencies the way somewhere like Texas would. What do you think of Joe Wheeland as a decent uh, uh, late dollar gamble in NL only? I would spend a buck on him. I just don't think the job's going to be there for him long term, uh, only because – you hear the Dodgers say one thing, and then because Andrew Friedman's there, I'm so used to hearing Andrew Friedman say one and thing doing and doing another. another. Yeah. And then the other issue in play here is Eric Bedard, an insurance policy they had in camp, is now dealing with a sword lap muscle and not Wait, throwing. So Eric that kind of Bedard there goes their insurance muscle. 
I know this is breaking news, really breaking news. But yeah, he is hurt. So I think that that goes there goes that insurance policy that they kind of had floating around. And then Roberto Hernandez is going to be the fifth starter for the Astros. So there goes another insurance policy that may have been on the open market. And I, I think they'll get something done. We're, we're nearing that point in camp where teams are really starting these final cuts. And some guys are going to some guys that are in on non-roster invite uh, invitations are now going to start uh, going to need a job somewhere. And they're not going to make the current team that they're on. And uh, we'll see. We'll see uh, who gets traded. Yeah, we, we will. We will see definitely some some veterans kind of move around here, and the, these moves could end up being something. So you got to pay attention to them. Playing time is the hot commodity in fantasy baseball these days because guys don't play 162 anymore or throw 200 innings all that much. I mean, there, obviously there are a handful who do both of those things, but it's not the overwhelming majority. Uh, or, or even a large pool of guys. There, there, there's so many guys coming in and out. Injuries are so big these days. Pay attention to these, these veterans who are going to move because they're going to move for places that they're going to have a chance to do some damage here. So don't go crazy on Wheeland just yet. They might get a more set arm who will probably be less fantasy relevant. It'll be some, some crusty guy like a Bedard, like a Roberto Hernandez, but he'll likely get the opportunity ahead of somebody like Wheeland or even Zach Lee um, for, for, the, for the Dodgers. So... Let's talk some tout, and let's start with the one that you were in, the American League. Like I said, I find it fascinating because the labor one, the labor auction was extremely fascinating to me. We saw some interesting trends developing. Catchers were costing a lot. Uh, there were some, some big payments for that. And then the second, kind of the second tier of pitching was being treated almost like the first tier because the first tier was so thin. So once you got past Hernandez, Sale, Price, and, and Kluber, guys who are pretty unproven – uh, albeit with a lot of upside, we're getting some big salaries. Marcus Stroman, Carlos Carrasco, each at 20, raised some eyebrows as guys who you know had a lot of intrigue but hadn't really done anything yet. Alex Cobb, 23. Well, obviously two major changes there since the labor draft because Stroman's now completely out. So that's $23, uh, $23, not 23. I, I didn't have a speech impediment there. And then Cobb was not going to go for 23 again because of his injuries. So – what did you see as you got into the draft room there for your uh, what is it, what is this like your seventh or eighth year in town? You've been in there forever. Since two thousand seven, I've been in there. I've been in AL four or five years okay, now. Okay, so what, what what did you see as you hit the room here um, with some of the same competitors who were in the labor, but also a handful of new ones, of course, and of course OBP changing it up, so that will change things offensively. But what were some of your immediate takeaways, and then we'll go over your team. So. Sure. Some of my immediate takeaways was hitting was even more expensive than it was uh, in labor. And you mentioned the OBP difference that, you know, when you look across the board, Jose Abreu went $37. So he went even more than he did in, in a batting average. Oh, I'm sorry, 36. Miguel Cabrera went 36. Chris Davis, 28 because of the OBP difference. Adrian Beltre, 28. Uh, and that's just at the corner. Even you know, Carlos Santana, 27. Alan Maroach went to 21. I never saw that wow. coming. Kyle Seager, 24. Um, Robinson Cano, 30. And shocker, uh, Rick and Glenn got him yet again. I think that's the 28th straight year that they've rostered Robinson Cano. Jason Kipnis, 24. Jose Altuve in an OBP league went 30. I thought that was a bit surprising. And, uh, you know, George Springer went 28. Jose Bautista, 37. Uh, again, the OBP league, you can see that coming. Michael Brantley, 28. 
So while they did, there weren't as many $30 players, I haven't sat down to the final count yet, but it sure felt like there was more $25 plus dollar players in this format than there was. Uh, in you know, the- that would kind of fit because I, I did a quick rundown of some of the top starters. There. I don't think I got them all because I was just eyeballing it, but I ran through what I thought were the top uh, or, or pretty close to the top 12. I, I, I definitely uh, maybe left one or two out there, but they went $10 cheaper uh, in tout than they did in labor and that money went into the offense and it's guys like Felix Price, Sale, Kuber, Cobb, Carrasco, Iwakuma, Gray, Shark, Richards, Hughes, and then uh, who the heck was the other one? I can't remember. I'm sorry, y'all. Maybe Tanaka. I think it it was Tanaka there. So either way, I just tried to take a handful of guys who were at that upper end there, and that's $10 difference. Throw in another 20 for Stroman, and all of a sudden, that's 30 bucks that you could have seen allocated to the offense. Now, some of it went back to the top closers. I ran through the the top seven there, and they were $5 more expensive, and that's Patances, Holland, Cody Allen, David Robertson, Glenn Perkins, Houston Street, Koji Uehara. If I missed somebody, y'all can let me know. But $5 more in tout there, so some of that money did stay with the pitch. But like you said, a lot of it went to offense. And I've noticed this, and I do this myself. It seems that OBP gets a lot more attention than batting average. And do you think that's because OBP is more related to the skills that will translate to the other statistics as well? Yeah, I think it is. I, I just did a count. I believe I counted 27 players that came up that were at least $25 or more in the auction where you were talking there. Uh, but, you know, I've seen some guys zag. I, I know Tristan talked about it last year about punting OBP. Is it one of the two years he won? It's tough to keep track of years he doesn't win um, <laughs> it, over in the in the NL. But one league, I remember him sitting there saying, I'm punting, I'm punting OBP. Or maybe it was the last year average, and he still won the league anyhow. Uh, and I know Podhorser talked about doing it last year because even in his write-up that he has, uh, that he was telling me about at the uh, as he was talking about, he goes, you know, last year I just started buying low OBP guys because everybody else was ignoring them. And for me, I mean, when I sat down and did this, the only players that I looked at seriously that I was like, oh yeah, I want to get this guy because it was OBP. With somebody like Jaso, with somebody like Napoli, uh, you know, for the most part, I was just going for the numbers. I, I, I kind of fall in line with everybody else. I don't give OBP the attention. I'm still looking at. I, I want playing time. Ultimately, I don't care. I want playing time. I'm, I'm more focused on the PA column than I am the OBP and that, column. And that's, that makes sense. Like I said, I've got to kind of work myself out of that a little bit. Where sometimes I give it too much weight. Where. I'm in an auction uh, with with average, and I'm not dinging a guy as much for having a down average, but in an OBP, I'm I'm cutting him down too many ranks. It's it's a bias that I have to learn to be against, um, especially because I usually draft strong for OBP out front, and and the and the beauty of that is that you're you're supposed to be able to take risks later, and and sometimes I forget that second step of taking the risks later, and I probably should have done that in the Tout Wars mixed draft when I took Votto and had guys like Fowler. And uh, I'm trying to think of who else. I, I had a lot of OBP guys, and I could have maybe backed off of that a little bit later in the draft. Let's talk about your auction. You mentioned a guy like Jaso. I really like him as a catcher. No discount, unfortunately, 14 bucks. But OBP plus the fact that he's going to be a full-time guy who doesn't even have to catch, I still like that. I was just and, – and I didn't think you were going to get a discount in, in, a, in a league like this with, with the Sharps. But it would have been cool if he had gone maybe for 11. I've seen him going a little bit cheaper. Home leagues, you're going to get out, out of there for cheaper than the 14 that Jason paid. But I still like that. So you paired him with Chirinos, and that goes back to your point about the PA column. 
he's going to play. I mean, who, who, who the heck else is going to play? Tomas Talese? I mean, I just don't see him as being somebody that you need to be worried about. And then Jorge Alfaro is still pretty far away. So you got him for four bucks. Mm -hmm. Your two catchers at 18 bucks should get you a boatload of PAs. And compare that to Russell Martin alone for 19. And I know that he was an OBP master last year with like a 409. But can we can we guarantee that's going to repeat? And I love Russell Martin. I just thought that that was a little high when he went for more than your two catchers combined. I like your two backstops. And actually, I I believe I was the guy that said 18 on Russell Martin. I just wasn't going to say 20. Russell Martin's a guy that I liked a lot. I had him projected to earn $18 in the format. Uh, but when Pod said 19, I was like, no, I am not paying $20 for a catcher. Yeah. No, not a chance. So I, I went over... I went over. I mean, Jason was kind of playing B. I wasn't targeting him because when I had budgeted, uh, I, w I obviously I'm going to like the guy because we've talked about catchers that don't play catcher. These are the best guys. In fact, I have him projected uh, for just over 500 at bats, which is usually impossible to do for a catcher. But in his case, a catcher that's going to hit high in the lineup. I have him there. I got him for 75 runs scored. I've got him down for 12 homers, driving in 60 with an OBP of 345, and that came out to $15 of value uh, or, or projected uh, production. And uh, I got him a buck cheaper than that. If somebody would have said 15, I I would not have said 16. I would have zagged. I, I'm not going to pay 16 for a catcher either. But when you look at some of the other catching prices, McCann went 17, Weeders 16, Gomes 18, uh, Perez was 15, Gaddis and his bad wrist was 18 even a guy like chris ionetta was 14 yeah, he went huge. yeah people I, some people were like yeah some people were like and he went huge uh ron chandler and that regard, he ended up getting hannigan as backup but some people are like wow you spent 14 on jay so i'm like well you know he's gonna get 70 more plate appearances than chris ionetta and you know he may not have as many home runs but he's gonna be on base just as much and he's gonna score more runs because he's hitting in the top of the lineup rather than the bottom of the absolutely lineup. let's talk about trinos real quick because this guy in just about uh 300 some played appearances last year hit 13 bombs so he easily earned more than more than the four dollars in an al only format last year and and still nobody was all that interested i like that scoop and like you said it's it, there's nothing sexy about it you, you're probably going to get uh may, maybe a repeat whoops sorry about that i'm a, i'm on deck to pick apparently um <laughs> But, I, I, you know, you're going to get – I think you're going to get at least last year, maybe over more plate appearances, but you're going to get another 13 homers and 50-ish RBIs. But you'll take that because if he's playing, he's helping you out. I, I think that's an easy buy at 4 bucks. And that's what I have. I have him pretty much projected what he did last year. I mean, talking about late catcher bloom, these guys uh, tend to break out a little bit um, later. I obviously saw him play when he was here with Tampa Bay with that. I mean, when I looked at catching, I had about I had 16 bucks set aside for the position uh, and, uh, you know, hoping that possibly Martin wouldn't go as high and that I could spend a dollar on a guy uh, like uh, James McCann or, or Josh Fegley, something like that. And when Fegley went, he came up and he ended up going three or three. four to yeah. Lar. All right, three to Lar, and then McCann. I nominated him, and somebody said two. I'm like, forget it. I'm not spending three dollars on no. the guy. Uh, then I looked and said, okay, what's left? And looked at middle infield, and there really was nothing else I liked at that. So I said, okay, I'll take the money and and put it over on on getting a, a catcher that's going to get more playing time than two risk and, and Chirino, so I felt I could get for under five, and I did. Uh, and then I said, I'll, I'll I'll spend whatever money I have left there middle infield on Lindor and just pick up a reserve and hope that Lindor. Uh, all this noise he's making in camp helps him make the team. 
or at least makes the team sometime you know later on because you know the Micah Johnson ended up going eight bucks in this auction too. Who, speaking of catchers, by the way, before we get on to your next spot there. Who the hell is Wes Wilson, and why did he go for seven? Oh, bucks? placeholder for Steven oh, Vogt, okay. uh, because the uh, the RT Sports software did not recognize. Tout uses fifteen game qualifying, okay. and uh, Vogt caught fifteen game or caught eighteen games, but they didn't it wouldn't let him do it. So Wes Wilson is Steven okay, Vogt. That makes sense then. Or Tuffy Gosowich, you know, yeah, something yeah, like that. Yeah, absolutely. Because I was like Wes Wilson. I I literally never heard of this guy, and frankly. You got to wake up pretty early to, to, to get a guy that I haven't heard of. And I, I don't know if that's a, a point of pride or, or just me being a nerd. But I was like, you know, I feel like I've got every guy somewhere in, in the memory <laughs> bank. And I never heard of that guy. All right. Let's talk about your first third and corner. You got Mike Napoli for 17 for your first baseman. Love that, by the way. Garrett Jones, eight bucks. And then um, that, that's your corner infielder. And then Josh Donaldson, your star player, your centerpiece, 30 bucks at third base. And then I'll even include Brandon Moss there at 17. You have him in the outfield, but he gives you that flexibility because he can obviously play first or corner as well. But I love what you did here. Again, OBP, folks, so keep that in mind with a, like a Napoli uh, and a Garrett Jones there. I think both of them can give a little bit of extra value there. How do you feel about your corner infield? Because I think you got the pop and the OBP necessary. Actually, those were the three guys that I had as plan A's. I got all three of my plan Love A's uh, in that position, which was which was nice uh, because you know Donaldson. You you've heard us rave about him. You know, when you when people want to bring up the fact that he's done most of his damage against lefties, and yes, he's moving to a division that doesn't have that many left-handed pitchers. That said, he's also going from a park that suppresses right-handed power by ten percent to one that inflates it by twenty. So I, I'll take that offset, and uh, that plus he's got the plus he's got some better parks within the division he doesn't have to go to safeco exactly. anymore. You know, he gets to go to fenway park a little more he gets to go to yankee stadium a little more he gets to go to camden a little more um so i think and Corey uh, schwartz said it on the 401 podcast last week he goes i think the projection systems are underrating what donaldson could do because most of them have him as a, a low to mid-20s guy and i had no problem paying 34 on when a brady went 36 and i had a uh, when I say I wanted all three, Donaldson was the plan A, but if I, 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 if I could have rostered Abreu at 33, I would have. Sure. If I could have rostered Encarnacion at 33, I would have, and that's where I had those guys. Both of them went over that, so I said, okay, I'm just going to go ahead and go with Donaldson. That's why I made sure I threw out – I was the second guy uh, on nomination. I threw out Jose Abreu. First name was going to be Mike Trout. That was a given, and I figured E five was going to go next. So I said, okay, let's get the three, let's get the other two out of the way. That way, when Donaldson comes up, I can be aggressive because after that, I you know, I was like, I'd have to really shift some stuff around because I feel I'm very confident in Josh Donaldson. We talked about it. We did our labor team, uh, and then Napoli's a guy. When you look at the when you look at the park and you hopefully that stuff the offseason surgery stuff really helps him, but he's still a guy that gets on base and controls the strike zone. And Jones, when you look at that Yankee roster and everybody's sixty eight years old and <laughs> none of them are really a model of health, he's going to find playing time Absolutely. somewhere. He, he he really is, and that, I've been liking this guy now since he got moved over there. Because even as just a platoon guy, he should really feast on that home ballpark. Obviously, he's going to be a hot DFS play early on because his pricing will be based off of last year. And then we'll be able to feast on that pricing in DFS when he's in the lineup. And then I think he'll get to a level where he's, he's performing at such a level against right-handers at home that his price will be, uh, be sapped, but, but, but bank on Garrett Jones early on. I, I think he'll do some good things. And then, like I said, Moss there as well at 17, but we'll talk more about him in your outfield. Let's talk middle infield here. 
Um, you went with Luis Valbuena at 12, by the way, uh, can also qualify at third base. So you got yourself some nice flexibility on this crew. I really do like that piece. But you got Valbuena at second base there for 12 bucks. Jed Lowry for 8 bucks at shortstop. And then Francisco Lindor, you took the gamble with him at 3 bucks. Backed it up with the Myceres Turris on your bench uh, there, which he'll, he'll give you some playing time. But the Devon Travis news, if, if that ends up panning out to where he is the starter, obviously your Asturias gets a little less awesome. But you're really just trying to get somebody who gets some at-bats there in that middle, kind of stem the tide until Lindor comes up, assuming he comes up this year. How would you feel about your middle infield? Yeah, the middle infield, I by design, I was going to go cheap here when, when I looked at it and said, okay – there's I, there's some depth concerns at this position, like there is pretty much in the entire American yeah. League. So I said, okay, where am I going to spend it? I'm going to spend it in the outfield. If I'm going to cut somewhere, I'm going to cut up the middle, which is what I tend to do in this. It, at least I didn't draft one of the uh, the Japanese import infielders because maybe there were none to draft this year. <laughs> but no, for the AL, at least I, mean, I didn't. I've done that in the past, and it's toast to me. So you know, Lowry, there was a, a skill set there. Lowry was one of the guys that I, I'd looked at. Brad Miller was another name I had down, but Brad Miller ended up going ten dollars, and I got Lowry for eight. And the track record speaks better for Lowry, exactly. there. so I, I went with him there. Valbuena and Ron told me afterwards that was somebody he really wanted too. Pick. That's not the price that I wanted to pay, but at the time I had built up some profit. And, and as far as okay, when I looked at my budget, I, I think at the time I was about nine bucks. Uh, in the black, and I said, okay, if I can spend the extra couple of dollars to get somebody that I can move around it a little bit, I'm going to go ahead and take him. And at the time, he was the the, the best option on the board. I want to say he was somebody that um, maybe my 15th pick I had rostered. Okay. So when you look at the number, you're like, wow, that's a that's a big number. But auction dynamics, I want to say he was the best at the time. I felt he's the best guy on the board. It felt better to say, you know, I think Ron and I got it in that bidding war with him. But he went out at five and he went up six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. So other people were active and it just wasn't he and I going back and forth. But it was somebody at the time I wanted. And again, Lindor, you've got to figure he's coming up at some point this year. He was my 22nd player that I rostered. And it was either, you know, I don't even think Devin Travis was available at that point. But th there were very few options at the middle infield uh, to grab at that point. Somebody like Johnny Giovatella was going uh, around yeah, that no point. Uh, Eduardo Escobar was going at that point. Christian Cologne. That's what was left. So, like, forget it. I'll go with the upside. And if I want trash, I'll go get trash in the reserves. Absolutely. No, I, I, I like the move. First off, it, it's something I'm actually working on uh, writing out to us. Too often we lose sight that it is a long season. And, yes, we want plate appearances. And, and, yes, getting guys who are starting out of the gate definitely helps. But let's not lose sight of the fact that it's six long months. A lot of things happen. You can get a guy like a Lindor and wait a little bit, you know, even if it, even if he's not up until Memorial Day even. That still gives him four months to make an impact. He can easily earn three bucks, and he's not even a huge bat upside in terms of uh, you know what, what we're seeing for his fantasy value overall as a prospect. He's supposed to be defense first, and I still think he can easily easily crush that that three dollars. Uh, so I, good job there. And then your utility and outfield. We'll go. Uh, we'll start with the outfield here. Brett Gardner, 22. Duh. Uh, J.D. Martinez, 17. Absolutely adore that. Jared Dyson at 11. Still undervalued. He's 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 the younger Rajay Davis now, and and Rajay Davis is still kicking ass too. So I should maybe say like uh, a, a new Juan Pierre. Michael Saunders for 10 bucks, the aforementioned Brandon Moss for 17, and then Jesus Montero, the slimmed down Jesus Montero for a buck. Like you said, you were going to spend your money in the outfield. It's something I'm very 
familiar and accustomed to myself. I like to have quality outfield, a lot of great players out there. I think he did a really good job here of blending power and speed, uh, not only getting guys who did both, but then also getting a guy on each side who kind of only did that, you know, Brandon Moss for the power, Jared Dyson for the speed. When you do this uh, pairing of those two and then split them up, that's two really good players at that point. Talk to me about your outfield and then your $1 gamble on Mr. Montero. Yeah, I knew this is where I was going to throw money at uh, just because of the playing time. Bright, I was having the conversation uh, Friday night. I forgot who I was talking to uh, on Friday night. Maybe it was uh, – I think it was Steve. It was, it was Kaz. And we're ta- I said, you know what? Call me crazy, but I value Brett Gardner more than I value Jacoby Ellsbury uh, on the Yankees. And, in fact, I said I'm going to get him tomorrow. And I got him, got him at 22. So Gardner and Moss were the two names that I actually targeted. Uh, for the outfield and got both. And I was surprised that I was able to get Moss cheaper. I had Moss, uh, I had Moss at $21 because I was really aggressive with his, uh, with his Mm -hmm. numbers. And in fact, I just trying to pull up what I have when I was looking at Moss, I've got Moss down for just over 500 at bats, have him down hitting 35 home runs is where I really look at things because that's another guy going from a park that deflates left-handed power to one that really helps it. Uh, I think 10% is what uh, the 10% inflation. So that's what I, when I look at him. So I was happy to get those two uh, Gardner at right at cost. And then Moss and then Moss was uh, a few bucks cheaper. JD Martinez. I, that was a case where I just jumped in at the price. Because I was frankly surprised that he was still there. And somebody said 16. And I was like, I have this guy down as a $19 player at this point. Why is he going 16? So I said 17. Everybody else dropped out. Um, you mentioned Dyson and Davis. That was I, I wanted one of those two speed guys. And uh, it's, you know this is a, another case where Ron and I were competing against one another. I got Dyson. He got Davis. Uh, you know, I said I just I looked at the younger player. And I believe somebody threw Dyson. I grabbed him, and Davis went two picks later. And then Saunders. I was again surprised he went for ten bucks. The, the news keeps getting better about yeah, him. He played. And yes, he's got uh, the health history is questionable with him. It's you know ten dollars for a, a starting outfielder that's going to play get five hundred at bats. Again, surprised. Yeah, no, I I thought I thought that he would have gone for more given the 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 positive news. And again, I was expecting the offense to all kind of get boosted up because of the pitching situation in the American League. And maybe that maybe that qualifies as his boost. Maybe he should have been. Maybe he would have normally been six bucks, and and you know you you paid more uh, at ten bucks than than you would have had he uh, or had the pitching not been as bad. But he was only a dollar more than labor, and the news has substantially improved. So for you to only pay one extra dollar, I thought I thought that was great. Now, Jesus Montero, I know he's a buck, so you don't need him to do much. What are you really What are you realistically expecting out of him? Because honestly, the body does look great. Like he he came in looking looking awesome, uh, r- real trimmed up after last year. Obviously, a lot was uh, on the other side there, saying that he was way too big, not going to be able to do anything. He came in looking this year like an athlete, big time. I mean, I, here's what here's what that story is. He was the last player that I picked. He was, you know, where I have one dollar for one player, and I'm looking at what's left, saying, okay, do I pick somebody that I'm pretty much sure I can get because I think I was the only person left with the utility spot, and that's the only place he qualified, um, or do I throw out C.J. Cron and I'm looking to, down to the roster, saying, okay, 
Glenn and Rick have $3. Seth has $4. And I think I walked out to go get a drink and I told uh, uh, Kyle Elfrink, I'm like, I'm going to get Jesus Montero here because I want CJ Crone, but there's, I don't want to wait a full another round to go around the table to get a dollar mm-hmm. player. So I threw out Montero and, and, he, and he stuck with me. And the very next person, Seth was to my left, he throws out CJ Crone and gets him for $4. So I'm glad, okay, I'm glad I made the decision. But that's all I was looking for was upside with that final pick. And this was, you know, we have 276 players that you have to take in this. And I believe Montero was player 269. Oh my gosh. So it, this was this was it. I mean, it, the reserve rounds, when I looked at some of the other guys, I was like, okay, maybe I could grab a Sam Fold here. Uh, and so I probably could have got Sam Fold for a dollar. But I'm like, there's no upside there. And at the time, my projected steals, I felt fine with it. I was like, you know what? I, I'm, I think I'm pretty good on speed with Gardner and, and with what uh, Saunders can give me and what Dyson could give me and I was like you know I think I got enough speed I'm fine there let's just go ahead and and get more power I can always trade power for speed and if Montero uh, does come back up uh, during the season or gets traded somewhere then uh, good spot Yeah, I liked it like I said you know this is a guy who a lot of people thought was maybe not a can't miss but but somebody who had a pretty high floor they figure you know he's at least going to be contributing as a major leaguer this uh, Jesus Montero even if it's not behind the dish and so far, he's been obviously a, a, a bust, but he's young enough to still kind of rebound from that because he's, he's going into his age 25 season. If, if he kicked off with a solid year this year, all of a sudden you're talking about, you know, mid-20s guy going right into his peak, uh, you know, th- this could definitely get back on track. And you don't really need it to at a buck anyway. It's just nice to take the gamble. All right, let's talk your pitching now. And we will. Uh, you already mentioned. You already tipped a hand a little bit there. That uh, one of your closers is Brett Cecil. So we will talk about your starters first. Alex Cobb for 14. Drew Hutchison for 12. Danny Salazar for 11. Derek Holland for 10. Absolutely love that. Uh, Clay Suckholes for entirely too many dollars. Seven of them. And then Shane Green at five. And then your your relievers. Also great. Brett Cecil and Luke Gregerson 10 apiece. And then Andrew Miller at seven who should should be worth that even if he saves like three games. Even if Patances pretty much holds it all year and Miller only snakes a few back-to-back, uh, you know, after Patances has gone three times in a row, another close game, got to give it to Miller, or there's two left, he's coming up. You know, situations like that. He's probably going to get a couple saves no matter what, even if Patances is the full-time guy. You can still get seven bucks out of that pretty easily. I like your rotation or, or your pitching staff quite a bit even with $7 wasted on a player who sucks terribly. And that's the only player that was on my team last year, too. I went and looked at oh, last wow. year's roster, and my boyfriend is the only player that I have the from last year that I can have Only returner. That, that's interesting. Um, you got a great discount on Cobb because, look, obviously we know that the injuries are, are a problem, and he's already starting out of the gate with one. That's been the thing that's kind of held him back from being a stud. Okay, so you got a $9 discount from what he went for in labor, even if he only does kind of you know what he's been doing these last two years, pitches about 150 innings. He's great when he pitches. So even if he gives you 150 of, of the stuff that we've been seeing, you're going to get that money and then some easily because he's been earning 15 in standard uh, mixed leagues uh, with the numbers he's been putting up. So that's easily going to equate to 14, more than 14 in an AL only league. So I thought you did great there. Drew Hutchison. I absolutely love him. Danny Salazar kind of buying back in on him after the hype has kind of faded a little bit and shifted over to some other of his teammates, Carlos Carrasco, TJ house, even Trevor Bauer. They're all getting the love and Salazar's kind of falling a little bit under the radar. Not, not, not off of it completely because 
you know, he did close nicely last year, but he's not up at the hype that he was last year. Derek Holland for 10 bucks, I thought was an absolute steal. I mean, this guy had a leg injury, which, you know, any injury you got to be concerned about and, and pay attention to, but that's so much better than anything in the arm situation. I know he had a little bit of shoulder soreness this year, but he has made a spring debut. This guy had a great year in 2013. I really like Derek Holland. I think he could get massive return there. And as much as I hate Clay Buckles, he has had some good seasons under his belt. He could earn you the seven. But Shane Green, obviously, at five. We talked about him during the AL Central preview, saying how much we liked him. It's now even part of the intro of this of this podcast. So uh, I think I think you did a great job with your pitching there. Talk to me about what you were thinking. So uh, pitching staff plan going into this. Uh, and. I- this is how I penciled the staff out. Hutchinson, Salazar, Green, Bauer, uh, Eovaldi, and David Robertson were six names okay. that I was like, okay, these are the guys I want. And I'd already done all the skills, homework, and everything that I wanted to do with it. Hutchinson was like the fifth guy thrown oh, out. Oh, wow. And Eno wasn't even was in the auction. Not currently expect, was not even expecting that. It was thrown out as the fifth guy. And my immediate thought in my head was, oh, crap. <laughs> I, he's going to go for more than I want him to exactly. go for. I mean, this is the guy in, in uh, Peter Kreutzer's magazine that I said, this is my sleeper Cy Young pick for the AL. I wrote this back in November. In the, in the picks and pans, and yeah. I, yeah, I, I, I wanted him. So I'm like, man, if I, if I, I'm 12 was it. If somebody would have said 13, I would have gone out because I was that confident in the pitching pool. I'm like, I'm fine here. But that to me was going to be the true test of, okay, where is that next tier? Because that was the other conversation I was having with uh, Michael Cohen and Kaz at the, uh, over at the party on Friday. I was like, hey, I'm, I'm afraid. I know what I want to do with my pitching. But if that next tier t- takes a few steps up, I'm in trouble because I'm staying out of tier one. I said, I'm not paying $20 for a pitcher. Not going to do it. I'm, I'm just going to nominate those guys, but I'm not paying for it. I said, I'm not even going to pay. The only one I'll pay over 15 for is going to be David Robertson uh, if he comes at a decent price. I'll be willing to pay 17 possibly $18 for David Robertson, possibly. But I said, that's it. Uh, that's he my strategy. 20. So he went 20. Uh, and so when uh, when Hutchinson came out and somebody said, hey, I, I think I said 10, somebody said 11, I said 12, and I was holding my breath saying, all right, if he if he goes for more than this, I'm not buying it, and then I'm going to have to adjust a few other things. And, and I was able to grab him at 12. I was like, okay, good. And, and then Cobb was a, sh- a few one after that. But I think Cobb, I'm, this is where my memory is a little fuzzy. I think he went after Tanaka. Okay. And when Tanaka went for $14, I'm like, if you could pay $14 for an elbow that can blow it any second, I'll pay $14 for one that hasn't been diagnosed with a exactly. tear. Exactly. And that's, and that's, but I had told um, Adam Ronis in the morning, and I don't mean to name drop people, but I'm just, I just <laughs> have conversations. Yeah. But I told Adam, uh, I think I was talking with Adam and Lenny in the morning, or, or maybe it was just Lenny in the morning. And I said, look, you know, they asked me about Cobb, and I was like, if somebody beats me to 15, they can have him. I said, but if he goes below that, I'm going to take him. And that's what happened. I expected him. I expected him to go for more than that. But when somebody said 13 and I said 14, like, oh, of course, Ray's Homer. And then everybody shut up. I'm like, all right, thanks. Um, I, I, that surprised Holland? me. So, I mean, I, I, 14. I think, that's, yeah. that really, sorry, that just really surprised me. But uh, continue, because, yeah, Holland I thought was a great scoop at 10 bucks. I really liked that. Not a target at all. It wasn't – I think I either threw Derek Holland at $10 or somebody said 9 and I said 10 and then everybody else dropped. I was like, okay. I mean, 
he's had his problems. And last year he missed five, you know, five months of the season, but he looked good when he did come back. He was uh, battling a bit of a sore shoulder this spring, but yeah, nothing to the Hung Jin Ru level. No, um, but this is a guy who strikes out 170 guys, even when he doesn't pitch in a full season. So again, I, for ten, I wouldn't have said 11, but I said 10. Uh, Salazar was nominated at nine. Somebody said 10. I said 11. I won that one. I uh, wouldn't have said 12. Uh, I do like the guy, but I don't love him that much. I was stunned when I got Shane Green for five. And I actually I, had him down. as I thought I'd pay more I couldn't for believe that because that's another guy. I mean, he's been catching a lot of uh, preseason steam. Obviously, uh, Ray Flowers from the Fantasy Alarm and from, from Sirius was, was, yep. is out there saying that he really likes him too. And that if he has to kind of – if everyone's asking who, who's a Kluber type who could really be that late pick who emerges into something special – that was his pick for that. Obviously, we, we've made our feelings known. I think that that episode aired uh, our AL Central one back in either late January or early February that we were saying he was our, our sneak attack pick for the Tigers that we really like to, to blow up. So people out there definitely beating the drum for him. I expected more than five. I really did. I thought you, I thought you snaked him there. I like Jesse Hahn. I threw him out. I threw him out at five dollars. And you crickets did. That's that crazy. I, yeah, I threw him out at five bucks, think because I said, okay, I have him down as eight, so I would have been like, okay, five. Somebody said six. I would have said eight, and just say, okay, if he doesn't, we'll move on because I, I've still got Bauer and I've still got Eovaldi, yes. but Green was at the top of that list, and so I was like, this is what I'm going to do, and I threw him out at five, and nobody spoke wow. up. I was like. Jeez, I was really trying to contain my excitement no, that, on that that's one. That's crazy I, to me. That real, and, another three dollars save. Like I like Jesse Hahn, you know who Laura Michaels got, but he went seven. I, I feel like those two should be priced almost exactly. And I know it's two dollars difference, but at, at that level, at five and seven bucks, two dollars is a big difference. So that that just kind of surprises me. I thought you did a great job overall. And then Cecil, obviously now a full time closer for ten bucks. Gregerson. Uh, really lo- looking like he can get the job. Now I'm still, th- I'm still thinking Chad Qualls is not getting his, his due, but, um, but you didn't pay any sort of full closer price for Gregerson. And they did give him that three year, $19 million deal. There are reasons to go out and, and get him. And it's not that I think Qualls is automatically going to have it. I just think when it comes down to people bidding, people go Gregerson, Neshek, and they, they don't even really think about Qualls. Now this league was not like that. Jeff Erickson paid five bucks for Qualls. So, I still like that you got the the guy who probably has the better handle on it. Ten bucks, not a bad not a bad deal there. And then you got a huge backup who, at the very worst, is going to be a stud guy uh, to just push down your ratios and pump up your strikeouts. And Andrew Miller, again, just just really good work. So, so sorry for just over praising you for those of you that want me to tear apart this team, but I just obviously we think too similarly that I'm obviously going to love this club. Well, the other thing here is, you know, Jeff has Dylan Batonsis and he, you know, and I have Gregerson, he has Qualls, I have Miller. It just seems like there's a natural, hey, what do you want exactly. for this? Because he, he was upset with that. I, I was not targeting Miller. Here's what, I mean, here's what happened there. So one of the, the, the two things that bother me about the pitching, one is because I rostered Cobb, I was very reticent to go after Carlos Rodon. Cause I was like, okay, I don't want two pitchers that aren't going to be there to start the season. We honestly, we still don't know what's good. The Cobb story. I mean, there has been no news, which is uh, neither good or, yeah, or bad, neutral. but Rodon went $2 to Andy Barron's. And I, I was easy. I had him down for five and I was like, I would have gone if, if I not had Cobb, I would have gone into a little bit of a bidding war with Rodon, but nobody else in the room 
Somebody said one, Andy said two, and everybody else shut yeah, up. That surprises me too. And I think that's going to come back to haunt a few people. Agreed. Agreed. And uh, I'm so was, and that's that was one. And the other thing, I ended up with my boyfriend, <laughs> who I didn't really want back. It just at the time when I looked, I ended up with he and Miller because Steve Moyer one upped me on consecutive bids of of Bauer and uh, Eovaldi. He went that's and got rude. both of them. They were back for to back nine players. and eight. And I said, "What is your pitching strategy? Just to one up me on pitching at this <laughs> point?" Because I I had to Eovaldi at eight. He said nine. I was like, "I don't like him that. I'm not paying ten. Nah. And then Bauer, I said seven. He said eight. And I was like, "Forget it. I, I said, I'm just going to move on." So instead of spending, I would have spent uh, you know nineteen dollars to roster two of the pitchers that I had. I spent seven. I spent uh, fourteen. 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 Saved the five bucks. Moved it elsewhere. Yeah. No. I, I honestly, as much as I like Evaldi and, and Bauer, I, I agree with that. You don't want to get crazy because if you like a guy but you're overspending on him, you're 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 robbing the value there. And at that point, it really starts to overspend because we still don't know with with either of those guys. Evaldi coming to the AL, going to a tougher park, still has issues. 10 is, is saying, you got to do something for me. I can't afford you uh, to, to flame out in that second half the way he did last year. And Bauer showed some flashes last year, really sh- started to show the maturities coming through. He's, he's more responsive to coaches now, understands that, listen, he doesn't know it all, but he's interested in learning all of it. And, and we saw glimpses of, of what Bauer can be, but at nine bucks, again, you need him to be something more substantial. You can't, you can't afford, uh, kind of the hiccups. So again, I, I just thought uh, well, the other thing here with, with Miller is there was a quote today on Rotowire from Joe Girardi, who still hasn't named a closer. Oh, you know, if you figured that job was Batonsis locked down solid, What's the hesitation? Exactly. I mean, at least in Houston, at least in Houston, it's one thing because you've got Qualls, you've got Nishek, you've got Gregor, you've got multiple guys and multiple veterans. So it's not like you're worried about working a rookie. Hell, you got Josh Fields, who I like yeah, a lot there, absolutely. too. In, in New York, you got two guys. You had one that dominated last year. Maybe this is a case what I've been trying to say about the Rays, too. When you've got a guy like Boxberger and Batances, guys that were good over multiple yes. innings. Maybe this is a case of say, you know, instead of saving, you know, rather than use them in the eighth and ninth, you got to get to those late innings. So let's bring them in for the seventh and eighth and then have somebody else do the Additionally, ninth. by the way, tomorrow, Monday, the 23rd, is Batanzas' birthday. He'll be turning age 27. Uh, but additionally, oh, breakout. <laughs> automatic 27. No, that's why. That's why I like him so much. I finally figured it out. Um, but another piece that people have been really starting to point out with regards to closers is that. Some teams might be might be reluctant to put the guy in that role if they're young guys under control because their cost is going to escalate because of saves. Arbitration gets pumped up because of saves, and they already paid Miller. So there is some incentive maybe for them to just go ahead and go with Miller while Batances is, is still a 90-inning beast and because they don't give a damn about fantasy for New York. And if they got two guys who can do it, one you're already paying, and the other could be the two-inning bridge – them by all means. By the way, if if it is Batances and Miller is in that other role, then I really hope that they use Miller the way they did Batances. I want to see Miller, obviously since he's a recently converted starter, I think he can do a 90 inning season and and be a stud like that and get that, you know, 120 plus kind of strikeout season. So, there's just a lot of upside there for you at 7 bucks cuz yeah, like you said, best case is you just got yourself a stud closer too. If Batances doesn't work it out as much as I love Batances, I, I think he can uh, take the mantle as the second guy in all baseball as closers first in the AL behind Chapman uh, for the overall spot. 
as much as I do like him, it is going off of one season that he actually had command and control. So, right. Worst case, he's Wade Davis. Best case, he's Dylan Batansis. Yeah, absolutely. With saves. Absolutely. So, uh, nice work there. Any other takeaway thoughts from the AL before we shift to the other leagues and wrap up? Yeah, I've got a, a few minutes if I need to call it a night because I'm tired. Uh, you know, when you look at the overall the closer market again because of the four unsettled jobs when we were doing this, you know, the prices you had to pay for closers: twenty for Robertson, twenty-two for Holland, nineteen for uh, Batanzas, sixteen for Perkins, yep. seventeen for Street. Uh, 19 for Britain, even 16 for Fernando Rodney. I mean, you had to pay for saves. And it didn't really work out that way in the NL uh, because 14 of those jobs are settled. And and uh, But that's what really stood out to me here is you had to pay for those big bats early. And there were a few teams, you look at, you know, Stephen Lars' team that really did the whole spread the risk. I'm not paying any more than $25 for anybody. You know, really spread it out. Uh, and you know, Pod did his usual thing where he spends over $200 on offense. Uh, but, you know, for the most part, as, as I made a comment to somebody, I think Mike Gianella was talking Sunday in the uh, NL. And it was like, oh, yeah, my uh, the draft software says my team's this and this team's that. I'm like, if you if your draft software doesn't have you in first place and you didn't have a good draft. Because yeah, what were you doing? I mean, <laughs> you're, you're using that software. If you, if you have any shred of confidence in it, then you're obviously picking the best guys. So you're, you're right. I, I finally learned that like a, a couple of years ago where I'm like, oh, I always show up very well in these. Well, yeah, duh, because I trust Rotowire you know, or whatever I was using uh, for it. And I've been using the Rotowire app for a couple of years. So I'm like, well, yeah, duh. I, I, I leaned on these numbers. Huge surprise. By the way, if I add Britton and Rodney in, because those are two guys that I hadn't remembered, um, you guys spent in tout, spent 10 more bucks on the top – nine closers than they did in labor. So that money and uh, obviously the Cecil situation being straightened out helps, but then there's still three uncertain situations. So if you want those lockdown saves, you're going to have to pay for them. Let's talk a little NL here. Just a couple thoughts. Maybe obviously the, the couple bit, the two big names I want to discuss one on offense, one on pitching Chris Bryant. He goes to, uh, I believe the first name is Scott Wilderman. Is that correct? Correct. Uh, he goes to him for 18 bucks, and uh, the Sirius XM guys, I think Chris List was on that one, thought it was a steal. I actually believed. I yeah, do too. I mean, there was talk like, whoa, how did he go sub 20? That's crazy. Speaking of sub 20, we'll kind of pair these two together because these are the two hottest names going. They both happen to be in the NL. Matt Harvey on the pitching side, also sub 20. Steve Gardner gets him for 19 bucks, and that's after he went for, I think, 25 to uh to Dalton Del Don in the NL in the NL labor I'm I'm checking my oh 24 so a five dollar difference there and things have gotten better that's the craziest part is that things have actually brightened even more for Harvey he's he's throwing even harder now he's up to you know 99 since then and 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 throwing more stars and going deeper and just looking better and better and he goes cheaper that was crazy to me now Bryant in the uh, in the labor only went 16 because he hadn't hit 50 homers yet so only a two dollar difference despite all of this hype and the fact that we know he He's pretty much only going to be down for that handful of days now at this point or else, you know, the, or else I think the Cubs are going to have a grievance. I mean, when I looked at it, I was saying this as as it ran out, 
uh, as I was saying bye to the dudes at the radio booth, and I told Chris this. I said, you know, the Bryant by at 18, when it happened, I thought was a crazy deal. And then when you compare it to the rest of the third baseman, Matt Carpenter, 21, Todd Frazier, 27, Arenado, 25, uh, uh, Aramis Ramirez was 17, Pedro Alvarez was $19. Pedro Alvarez went 19 get, and Chris Bryant went 18. He doesn't 18. even get help that much in, in OBP, does Alvarez, because um, – He's still it's still low. It's it's better than his batting average because he, he can take some walks. But Bryant actually gets helped by it. His batting average uh, potential deficiency is, is really co- covered up nicely because, he, you know, he's hit, he hit for an average last year, 325, 336 his first year. But when he gets to the majors, there's going to be a bit it's going to be a bit of a tougher time because of his swing and miss. But he has a 13 percent walk rate. So, I mean, you know, I, that's huge. And and the big OBPs that Brian's putting up, I just that it really surprised me. I, I cannot believe that he got out there. And as much as I love Nolan Arenado and I've, I've been advocating, you know, kind of taking him early as that breakout potential. He actually goes down a tick or two in um, in OBP for me because, you know, he's not much of a walker. He's more of a free swinger type. And I, I think that, you know, his average, his batting average can't be leveraged quite as much. So he should have come down a buck or two and Bryant should have gone up, I'd say at least three or four bucks. I, I would have been comfortable saying 22 personally. Um, and I, I, the way Liss was talking, I feel like he'd have gone up to 25. He would have. He, I talked to him. I talked to him about that. He said he would have. I had said on Friday night, I felt Bryant was going to go 22 bucks in NL and 20 in mixed. And I was off by a, uh, or the other way around, but I was off just by a couple of dollars. But when you, again, look at the back, look at the rest of the pricing there, you're like, wow, that's, it was crazy. But that's what stood out. And then, you know, the closing prices, when we talked about the other one, you know, compare the closers in this league, besides the $25 roll sure. Chapman, which stunned me. Melanson, 18, Kimbrell, 21, Cishik, 16, Rondon, 15, Jansen, 15, Reed, 10, uh, Benoit 17, which I, I felt was high. Rosenthal 16, Storin 15. You know, you could buy your you could buy your saves there. I'll, I'll give I'll give Phil Hertz a, a breather on that 17 for Benoit though, because he did back it up with Quackenbush. Even though one of my bold predictions uh, it, it, on on Fangraphs is for for Brandon Morrow to take Brandon Morrow to take that job and and, and be a beast. I I I, I'm, I fully realize that Quackenbush has an angle there. That, that's what makes it a bold prediction is the fact that he's at best third in line, uh, is Maurer. Um, and, and Hertz took Nick Vincent with a reserve pick as opposed to Brandon Maurer. If he had taken Maurer, I definitely would have had no problem with the, uh, with the Joaquin Benoit 17. Cause then you're just kind of clumping all that value together. there, 21 bucks plus a reserve pick for the San Diego saves, so to speak. Uh, let's talk mix real quick. If any takeaways that you have from that, cause you ran the, you ran the uh, chat for that. And then we'll go ahead and get out of here. Chris Bryant did go for 16 in that. So he was down a little bit and then Harvey went for the same 19 to Nando Defino again, I'm still surprised, even in mixed, even knowing what happened in the NL, I'm still surprised since it's obviously a different group of players and a deeper uh, player pool, 15 teams. Still can't believe he didn't get over 20. That's crazy. But nice pickup by Defino. Especially in the heavy spend. I mean, these guys were throwing money left and right all around the room, as they typically do in this. There's a lot of uh, you know heavy approach on on hitting in this league, uh, and then even the big name pitchers. And uh, that's what really, if you haven't, if you don't listen to that broadcast, Jeff Erickson runs the uh, is the auctioneer for that, and because it's 15 teams, 23 man rosters, six man reserve, 
There's a lot of players to cover. That one starts at three o'clock. It took five and a half hours. And that's with Jeff running a pace, pretty much at the pace I'm talking oh, to right it. now. He, he, no, yeah. there's no time. You better be ready or you're going to miss some stuff. Absolutely. And that's how he runs that. So it, uh, maybe some of that is what comes into play. But I was, again, I was surprised by some of the uh, some of the prices on how some of those things went. And I, I ran the chat room on that. You can go look at the chat archives at toutwars.com uh, and go look at some of the uh, the chat uh, prices there, but people were spending money heavily uh, in this one, and this is why I believe Van Riper ran away with this one a little bit last yes. year. But I thought there was still, even with some of the way the pricing worked, there was still some nice profit uh, there at the end. And the spreadsheets are up, and it, it, you can see some of those things. But there was still some pretty good profit in here, even for a mixed, even with a lot of teams taking that same stars and scrubs approach. Yeah, that, 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 I like the 15 team mix. It really allows for different strategies to play out. A couple guys can go stars and scrubs. You can still do spread the risk. Um, it's not quite like, like a 12 team mixer. You pretty much have to go stars and scrubs. You got to just get as many star power players as you can and, and, and take whatever the draft will give you at the end. But in 15, you can still kind of do some strategies. I'll link to the, uh, to the spreadsheet there. So you can kind of review it. You mentioned DVR killed it last year. He went, uh, Trout and Miggy uh, as his base, you know, right off the bat there. He he went back to the well with Trout for 48, but then his next highest guy was uh, Ryan Braun and Jacoby Ellsbury at 25 apiece. So we'll see if he can repeat. Uh, but a huge, huge weekend, a lot of a lot of good times, I'm sure, were had there in New York. From what I was able to listen to on the broadcast, it sounded like a great time. I cannot wait to one day be there. Uh, and, and, and hopefully in, be involved in one of these three auctions because they just seem like a hell of a time. It is good. Uh, pe a couple people said, where's Paul? And I said, you know what, next year, uh, we're going to make sure that he's up here. I said, you know, with the uh, with the pitching guide and everything, and then going out to Arizona, uh, you know, he does have this this serious girlfriend who uh, may leave him if he keeps leaving well, town you know what? And, and hiding himself in the office. It's so. a great <laughs> thing that you mentioned that because so I was listening to it. We were just kind of doing – alone computer time here while we, while we were here. I was listening to the uh, broadcast, doing some research stuff, and she was just playing on her computer. So she's hearing the radio, and she's like, oh, they're in New York? Why didn't you go to that? And I was like, oh, you know, oh. I, I don't know, because whatever and she's like well maybe we should go next year so she wants to go just to go to be in new york oh, that's a keeper and she's she's a keeper i haven't met her yet i mean she's, she's got great friends she's like you know we could just go to that and then you could go to the drafts and i could be with my friends from because she has a handful of girlfriends from college who went to go try to make it uh in new york or whatever and it's like oh well we'll definitely do that next year then that's that's definitely going to happen so even if I'm Good. not in one of the drafts, I will be in New York next year because I've already got the girlfriend on board with wanting to go. Not only giving the blessing to go, but the fact that she just wants to go makes it super easy because then we can have kind of a little vacation. This works. Yeah, uh, DVR had his wife there. She was the, uh, I believe, the only spouse um, that I saw that I saw in play. And my my wife and I are going up. Uh, in two weeks, but when I go back for the other thing, I've got to go do. So we're going to be up there for that. Uh, but yeah, you were missed. I had probably had five or six people ask why you weren't here. Well, that's and I was very like, nice. He'll be here definitely next year. Next year. Uh, before we wrap up, what else? You, what else you got left for draft season? How many more do you have? I've got my home league uh, this Saturday, okay. and uh, I, I know that a few people listen to it. So yeah. well, listen well, away. Well, uh, you've got all the info. Looking forward to meeting them because I haven't met any of them yet. Uh, so looking forward to that, and I. Uh, um, 
That's really it. I think that's my last. Uh, and then I got another uh, uh, one in Texas, but I, I can't travel. Oh, yeah. One. So I'm going to have to do that one remotely. Well, that, that'll work. Yeah, I'm, we were going to do we will still do outfielders. You and I will. Uh, we'll just do it next Sunday. So, Ian and I are going to skip right into starting pitchers on Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, but until then, Jason, we will talk later. But if you have any outfield questions, I can't wait until next weekend. Use the Absolutely. comment section. Use the comment section. Hit us up on Twitter, at Spore, at Jason Collette. Please rate and review the podcast on iTunes. We greatly appreciate that. Otherwise, we will be back in a week. I'll be back in a couple days. Peace. See you.